Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 93. This week, we talk all about working from home. Introducing Cool Whip. And do you use an unfashionable programming language? This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. Hashtag Brandon episode. How's it going, Brandon? Oh, it's going. How are you guys doing? <laughs> we are doing awesome. Although We're I should make that trending Carl. too. Yeah, that's everybody get that trending. And we can get all five listeners uh, putting that up there. Maybe we'll see that on uh, on Twitter. So, Carl, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. That sounds and, great. And uh, pretty soon, Vball525 off of iTunes will be doing pretty excellent, too. Why is that? Because we've selected him as the Infragistics Ultimate winner this week. Woohoo! Uh, he gave us five stars and said, I used to periodically pick episodes to listen to that had a topic I was interested in. But lately, they've all been great topics and guests. This has now moved into the main rotation of his podcast. His favorite three recent episodes were James Whitaker, Ellen Underwood, and Karen and McGrain. All three episodes were fantastic and a must listen, regardless of what kind of dev you are. Keep up the good work. Uh, thanks, Vball525. And if you <laughs> could email us, most of the time we can contact most of you, but it's a little bit harder for us to reach out to these uh, iTunes reviewers. We don't have your contact info. So if you reach out to us, we'll make sure that you get the uh, license info. And if you want to get mentioned on the show and have a chance to win the ultimate license, uh, reach out to us at feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher. We love those five-star reviews. You're going to get like three emails on that one, Carl. <laughs> Why? You're going to get three people like, I'm totally V-Ball 525. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's happened in the past. Everybody, it's on your honor system. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Okay, well, let's jump into the news, which I have totally read all of these. Uh, introducing yes, I'm Cool sure Whip. You have. I think Cool Whip's been around for a while. I like the way it tastes. What is this? It is. It's pretty tasty. But what this is, it's a nougat package that you can add. And when you uh, release in GitHub, when you mer- uh, merge into your release branch, mm-hmm. it'll automatically publish to nougat. Oh, I need this. So I think this is an awesome way to automatically generate and update, you know, these kind of things that you might have if you're an open source, uh, you know, project maintainer. Okay. So this is using that app there, which is, uh, it's like basically an online build system. Okay. Very cool. So basically pulls the source, uh, builds it and puts it into a NuGet for you. That's pretty cool. Cause that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I hate manual processes like that. So this is, uh, this is pretty cool. Okay. What do we got next? We got big list of naughty strings. Yes, and it's not what you're thinking of either, for those who have your minds in the gutter. Oh, not me. Um, uh, I, I just remember like at, in a lot of previous projects that I've had, we've come across like some sort of input that just like totally messes with the system. So you start like maintaining this internal list of like, all right, these are things we have to test against so they don't hose our system as inputs. Mm-hmm. And what somebody has done is they've just generated a, a huge um, amount of these strings and uh, – they formatted them both as a text file and as JSON. So you can, you know, take these in, in any way that's more convenient for you. And these are strings that generally break things. Um, some of them are like Unicode characters. Some of them are like null space, 
uh, characters, Unicode, Unicode numbers. I just, fun, right? I just got, to, I just got right to the to bottom us. of the file. So there's like, um, you know, there's the, the Scunthorpe general hospital, which is uh, a, a well-known problem, but then there's like a Penistone community church. <laughs> and, and those are, you know, Jimmy really, yeah, they're really innocent, but they might be blocked by profanity filters because, you know, a subset of the word is profanity. Shiitake mushrooms, <laughs> Horniman museum. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. I'm going to stop now. Yeah. But you know, if you don't want to go ahead and, you know, generate all these different kinds of strings that could potentially, uh, hose your system, you could use this as a way to automatically generate that for you. And I think that's awesome. This is cool. Cause I mean, I honestly, like I would probably just sort of manually do this too, as, as a first round of testing. Um, cause there's, there's just some good stuff in here to, to copy and paste, you know, just some really messed up strings. Yeah, big numbers, small numbers. Uh, yeah, yeah. So just some really cool looking stuff. I think I've seen all these on uh, on Agario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what do we got next? Uh, fave. Fa- what are we calling it to the, these days? Favico, Favico, Favico. Um, I, I couldn't get this. How does this thing work? Does this work for you? Yeah. So this is a bit of JavaScript mm-hmm. that will animate your favicon. Yeah. Does this work? And- what browser does this work in for you? It works in Chrome. Really? It doesn't yeah. work in mine for some reason. In in fact, the the that page right there that we link that will be in the show notes in Chrome, it it works for me. I can see it. You know, okay. as the image. So at the top of the page, there's an image of like a, an octacat with uh like a number in yep. a in a red circle, and it gets bigger and smaller, and it changes the number. And as that happens in real time, up in the uh, up in the top Address on the bar, tab, yeah. um. That favicon updates oh, right along tab. with it. Look at yeah, that. Most people most people don't realize in Chrome the favicons go in the tabs, oh, not on the URL bar. Here I'm looking at like the yeah the like the blank page thing there. Okay, so if if you look in the right place, yeah, they're definitely there. Yeah, that is really cool. Okay, so you you can put little videos up there. You can put yeah. I saw that you can there. literally like play a video in that tiny little space. This yeah, is so, really cool. I, yeah. I'm playing with it right now. This is, this is like the animated, this is like those annoying animated GIFs of, you know, like the 90s. Uh, now you can do that uh, in a brand new way. Yeah. And we're currently using our webcams, but they even have a little thing where like it'll put whatever is the webcam can see up in there as well. All right. So I hear you guys <laughs> playing with some of the videos. Yeah. I was just trying out the video. That is really, really crazy. Okay, so you you just have guys. You have to check this one out just to to see what it is. It's really cool. Okay, do you use an old or unfashionable programming language? You know, I I, I know that we, as in in the group of three of us that are here, um, we generally work on more cutting edge things. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not cutting edge, it's definitely not old either. But there was this uh, uh, hacker news discussion that's you know like do you you know what do you use that might be old or you know out of touch and. I just thought it was really, you know, interesting, you know, to remind ourselves that there's a ton of people doing really valuable things and what might be easy to criticize, you know, technologies. And yeah, by valuable, this, I mean ahead, banks. I was going to say by valuable, you mean banks. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's everybody. Believe me, it's uh, oil and gas industry, manufacturing, um, you know, just, I would say a lot of business in general. You know, they're just, this stuff doesn't get updated. I mean, even at, at Microsoft, the, the internal stuff, um, as you can imagine, like the, some of the stuff that the, you know, employees have to use is just ancient and nobody wants to step up and say, Hey guys, let's, let's, 
you know, let's take engineers off of a, a key program to go improve this internal thing, or, Hey, let's write out a hundred thousand dollar check, you know, to, to make this thing more modern, you know? So a lot of those things just, they just sit there a long time until they, until they need to get updated for some functional reason. And then that's when they get the facelift. Um, so it just, it just happens. I mean, you got to spend money on this stuff. Um, yeah. So they name in here a whole bunch of languages. So they're talking about like COBOL, um, Pascal, things like that, basic, but I've seen this a lot at conferences too. Even, even with like .NET, you take like ASP.NET and, uh, if the presenter ever asks, you know, like what version are you on? You'll get people like today that are on ASP.NET two, um, you know, maybe even older than that. <laughs> yeah. It, Brandon, Brandon's like shaking his head. He's like, <laughs> I would quit in a second. My uh, version but, of .NET renames itself every couple months. So that's how <laughs> cutting edge we are. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's one of those things too, where you get one version behind and you're just, you're, you're done, you know, like to, to, to justify a version jump between two different versions is not going to happen. So what ends up happening is right before release, you say, oh, there's a new version of .NET out, but, uh, we don't want to, you know, bet our company on, you know, finding all these breaking changes. So let's stick with the old one. And then, you know, due to your product cycles, all of a sudden you're two versions behind and you're like, well, now the cost is, is just too great to, to make the, the leap. So this, this kind of stuff happens and there's a, it's a lot of people out there it might even be the majority who knows. Uh, okay. So that was it for the news. So what are we talking about today, guys? You guys came up with this idea. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I have to say that the, the thought for this, we're going to be talking about telecommuting and working from home mm-hmm. because all three of us do that. And the thought of this came from, I was on a Slack discussion, uh, in, in another Slack that you guys don't, aren't in and <laughs> oh, us talk- like Brandon and Jason. Yeah. Brandon okay, and Jason. I, I thought you were like talking about the listeners. Like this is very exclusive. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not, it's not at all like that. But what had happened was there was a, a few people like complaining about like, Hey, I, I hate where I work. Yeah. And they noticed that there was a few people, I mean, myself being one of them that, Hey, you guys work from home. You know, like, what is that like? What are the challenges? You know, like, this is what I'm complaining about at work. Do you guys see that because you're not quote at work, you're at home. So I thought this might be like an interesting topic to bring up because each of us have worked together at one point and now we all work remotely for different places. Yeah. Cause there, I mean, let's be real. Like here in Wisconsin, there are no tech jobs. And you guys are like, oh, well, there's, you know, there's like hundreds, right? That's nothing. You know, that's, that's like, that's just a rounding error compared to all these other places. So, you know, it is tough based on your location, finding a place that you, uh, you actually could go into. I mean, it's an amazingly small community because I would say of the three of us, we know, I don't, we don't necessarily know like the majority of the people, but like we see them a lot. We know the names of a lot of the people a lot of the developers that are here in Wisconsin, like that it's a small enough community that that's actually possible. And there's probably like the, you know, what Hansman always calls these dark matter developers, you know, companies will hire, you know, five internal developers and you just never hear from them. There's probably a lot of those jobs too, but uh, yeah. And, and yeah. another thing too, is one of the clients that I, I worked at somewhat recently, they used to love saying that all of the developers were in house. They really preferred that. Mm-hmm. But the, just the fact that they needed so many developers to add to their team and the the quality of people, there just isn't enough of. Yeah. So they had to go reach out and they actually specifically, you know, made the changes that they needed to so that they could support having remote workers and really, you know, from a cultural aspect as well. 
Yeah. So I, you guys came up with the idea for this episode and then I did all the legwork. I did all the research here. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> so, so I wanted to give a little bit of background. So I went out to uh, trusty Wikipedia who actually did all the research for us. Uh, so I wanted to read you this little snippet here as of 2012, which is arguably, you know, four years ago, uh, estimates suggest that over 50 million us workers. So I would suggest that it's a lot more than that now, but 40% of the working population could work from home at least part of the time. But in 2008, only 2.5 million employees, excluding the self-employed, considered their home to be their primary place of business. Number of employees reported to have worked from home on their primary job in 2010 has been reported as 9.4 million, only 6.6% of the workforce, though this number might include the self-employed. And then this is where I think it starts to get interesting. So let's pretend like that 40% of the U.S. population uh, that holds those telework compatible jobs. So obviously, like if you're working on an assembly line, putting things together, um, that's kind of an extreme example. Like you're not going to do, you're probably not going to do that from home. Uh, <laughs> that would be pretty crazy. Uh, but out of the people that, that they say could uh, conceivably work from home, uh, here's some interesting stats. The nation would save 280 million barrels of oil, which is 30%, 37% of the Gulf oil imports. Uh, the environment would be saved from the equivalent of taking 9 million cars permanently off the road. Uh, the energy potential from the fuel savings would total more than twice what the U.S. produces from all renewable energy sources combined. Um, so this is just – it's just a good idea. Yeah. Well, and, and to add to that, like what you can save, I mean – at the time where I switched jobs and became remote, my vehicle was probably have like less than a year on its legs. It's just, you know, that old and well, far it gone. still has legs, yeah. But now that I've gone remote and hardly use it, I'm at I'm estimating I could get five or six more years off of it. So yeah. that's saving me from replacing a vehicle. Yeah. And I was able to buy a car that that well, I wouldn't call it impractical, but it you know, I used to have a Buick and now I have a Mustang. So I guess it's probably some would consider that slightly less practical. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've had it almost a year now and I've put, I think like 3,500 miles on it. Uh, so it's nice. I mean, the things you just get, you just get more use out of those things or they last longer, I should say. So you don't, you just not, uh, you know, burning costs there. Uh, so we have a whole bunch of different aspects of this that we want to cover. Um, so I guess I guess we'll just kind of go through it in the in the way that I have it set up here. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is offices are stupid, and this was super super timely. Um, I, I love this article. Yeah, if we weren't talking about working remote, this would have been a news story for sure, and this would have been my number one pick this week. So Buffer, which is a really 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 cool company, and it's a cool product. Like I, we I think we we normally don't push it that much. But uh, it is a really cool product, and I'm actually fine advertising for them now, just knowing that they're such a cool company. So, you know, props to them. But they they make a, a Twitter um, extension, or a, it's a Chrome extension. Um, I think it's across. I think you get extensions in the in the different versions of the browser. So it's an extension for your browser, where if you're looking at a news story, you can push the button, it'll pop up, and it it actually does a really good job of basically turning that into a tweet. And then making it so that you can basically add it to your queue. And then throughout the day, it will post those at um, regular intervals. So I think I have mine set to like post three a day. So I can basically queue up a whole bunch of news stories that I find interesting and it'll post those throughout the day. The idea being that you can hit the full audience because, 
you know, when I get up in the morning and I'm reading the news at 7 a.m., um, you know, that's that's a good time for for Brandon because he's in the Eastern time zone. But the people that I work with, you know, they haven't even gotten up yet. Uh, so well, and, and to top that off, otherwise what you see and you, you'll know people who don't have buffer yeah. because you'll see all of a sudden they have like six retweets within f- five minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it just it doesn't. It doesn't really help anyone. So at first this sort of felt like a cheat, but it actually is better. I mean, it's just better for visibility. Now, if there's something that's like super timely, I'll just tweet it right away. I mean, let's be real here. Uh, but if it's, if it's something that's just cool, that it's not super, super timely, um, then I'll just put it in a buffer. So it's a, it's a really cool product. And, and in my experience, my estimate is that you can get Twitter followers at double the rate, uh, that you normally do. Um, I've, I've seen, you know, Twitter, new Twitter followers at about double the rate that from when I was just doing like bursts of tweets. So anyway, uh, this bu- company buffer, I've been following them for a while cause they do some really cool stuff. Like they, I think we've talked about them before. They actually will list everybody's salary in the company and how they came up with that formula. Um, so they're just, they're trying to be like extremely transparent, all these things that, that sort of felt taboo before, like, let's, you know, we you can't, you can't tell people what you make and we can't tell everybody, we can't advertise what everybody in our company makes. That would just be ludicrous. You know, they're just like, oh, well, why not? And really nobody has a great answer. So they just publish it. So anyway, they, um, they basically publish like their, all their monthly expenses. And one of the things here was office rent, which was uh, $7,000 a month, which is actually pretty small. Um, I don't know. I think they're, where are they based? Uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. So I don't even think that was a big space. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, that's seven grand a month that they're spending, spending on their office space. So they just said like, oh, what's the point? Like, why do this? And then they said, uh, screw it. We'll just, we'll just have everybody work from home. You know, why not? It's not, it's a piece of cake. So that's what they did. Good on them. Uh, so I don't, do you want to, any comments on the, on the article? I really like the, uh, the breakdown, like you said, with the, the office rent yeah. and showing, uh, the overall percentage of monthly cost. Yeah. Cause just comparing that to some of their other costs and where it fits in their overall budget. Yeah. is just really nice to see. Cause you know that, you know, they, they probably are getting a relatively good deal in comparison when they did have the office space to think about like larger, like. just because of my experience, consulting firms that might have multiple offices, large offices, and have to expand for certain reasons. Mm -hmm. It's like if they were to give their employees more of an opportunity to be remote, what kind of cost savings could there be, which would, you know, ultimately go to the bottom line, which could also ultimately help employees by increasing, you know, salaries. Mm -hmm. You know, they say the easiest way to profit is to cut costs. And if you can get rid of your office or at least reduce drastically the size of your office, you're making more money. Yeah. Cause if you, if you sell, you know, if you make in revenue, another dollar, you're really only making, you know, three cents on the dollar. Right. But if you cut a dollar worth of cost, you've saved a, a dollar worth of cost. I mean, that's like selling, you know, many, many dozens of dollars worth of product. So, uh, good on them. So the, uh, I just kind of wanted to, to frame it that way saying offices are stupid, Um, and then I also want to point out too, like other companies are switching to open offices to, or open spaces to cut costs. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. There's it, whatever your stance is on this, you can find plenty of articles that, that 
will agree with you. So if you say that open spaces are the greatest thing ever, you can find lots of articles saying, yeah, yeah, collaboration skyrocketed. Everybody loves it. Um, we all know what everybody's working on and we're super efficient. There's tons of synergy. Um, you can also find lots of articles that say that they're just a horrible, horrible idea. And you can talk to those people and say, yeah, you know, they got this guy, Bill, and he's always on the, uh, uh, you know, on the conference phone and somebody else is cutting their, their toenails and somebody else is like eating apples all the time. These are all <laughs> real examples, by the way, <laughs> uh, that I've run into, but, uh, you know, so you can find stuff on, on, on either, either side of those, but a lot of places are, are switching that to, to save costs. Um, and then one thing I want to mention here too, like I was, I was out at the, the Microsoft campus recently and, uh, I ended up, you know, I always got to find a place to work and I usually go down to like a cafe or something, which is, which is pretty cool. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail, but I ended up, uh, this last time I took somebody's office, uh, cause he wasn't there and it, it was this office with no windows and it was this tiny little box. And I, you know, I sort of felt not necessarily claustrophobic, but it just, it felt really weird just sitting in a box for eight hours. <laughs> and then he had this clock and it was, and I'm like, I'm just sitting there like listening to this clock. And it's like, every tick was like my life, just like my life force just getting sucked away. <laughs> so I, uh, not, not a fan, definitely not a fan of that. I mean, my office here, I love it. I have a giant window. I can see what's going on. I got space. Um, man, I just, I feel like I'm so much happier just the, the space that I'm able to have around me. Okay. So we all agree offices are stupid. Yeah. I think they're stupid. Well, I think offices are the best. So there's another article here. (laughs) Well, I wanted to have the counterpoint here. So we said, yeah, we have to. Yep. So we had offices are stupid. Now let's talk about why offices are the best. Um, and actually this is kind of a poor excuse for an article, but, uh, we'll link to it here, but it was uh, basically Yahoo. So this was, um, I want to make sure I get her last name, right? Is it, it's mayor. Yeah. Marissa mayor. Um, she, so she's CEO of Yahoo for those that aren't familiar. And what she ended up doing one day is she said, Hey, all you remote employees, uh, you can either come into work or you're done. And, uh, and just, you know, put it, put an end to that whole thing. Uh, which, and, and that was really controversial. That was about two years ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, well, yeah, definitely controversial. And when that happened, that's, you know, really pissed off a lot of people who kind of depended upon that. Yeah. I mean, if Microsoft did that, I, I man, I, I would be just, I don't know. See, Microsoft is super, super remote friendly, um, in, in most of the, in most of the groups. Um, but yeah, so, so Yahoo made this big change, which is tough. Cause like you had, you know, these could have been super efficient people. Um, and you know, she was saying, Oh, I, I, I don't want this. I want people here. There's a lot of benefits of being in the office. Um, so she just forced everybody in there. Um, let's see here. So one of the quotes from the article here, some of Yahoo's most important communication and collaboration come from impromptu meetings, discussions between employees and meeting new people around the office. The memo said it also noted that speed and quality were sometimes sacrificed when working from home, <laughs> which is interesting. So we'll, I think we'll, we'll end up tackling uh, some of those topics there, but that uh, Marissa Mayer's uh, opinion on that, uh, on that whole thing. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, cause we all work from home. Let's talk about how we do collaboration and communication. Who wants to start this off? So we at, so I work for concurrency, a consulting company mm-hmm. out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we're a Microsoft based, um, company. So we have a lot of Microsoft tools. So we use Skype for business mm-hmm. for IM and video and voice and, uh, my t- 
team, I'm trying to get going on Slack. It's kind of slow going. Yeah. But I know Slack, uh, the three of us, as well as a few of our friends, also have our own private Slack. Mm-hmm. And that I I find is great to keep in touch because with that group, it you know, we're all friends. We most of us used to work together at some point, but we never get to see each other yeah. like we used to. So I really like Slack for those kind of informal conversations. Um there's also another Slack team that I'm on that's for uh Windows Universal developers. Mm-hmm. And that's kept really technical and it's a a great sounding board for like when you're having issues, stuff like that. So I find even though that's an entirely different purpose, Slack is great for, you know, a lot of different kinds of communication. That's a great distinction. You have like a, you have team communication. Um, even though, even though our group maybe is a little bit informal, you know, consider us like a, um, sort of a, a, a team that doesn't necessarily work together, but we're still a team. We still collaborate on things. And then you have a different kind of Slack group, which is, you know, where we all have a, a similar interest and then you can, you know, use that for, um, you know, if you have ideas or, or you're stuck on something, you know, so there's, there's a lot of, I think even, um, looking at Slack, there's, there's just a lot of different aspects or a lot of different ways that you can use it simultaneously, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, so I would say that the number one change in the last year for me has been Slack. I've okay. really a huge proponent of that. Um, I think right now I'm on ten different Slack teams, and I, I hate I, the I know, way Slack handles teams, by the way, and you know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you don't, but I, I find it really just a great way to just kind of break out my interests, break out my communication style. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just a huge proponent of it. Cool. Um, now going on to like that Skype for business, you know, I love it and I hate it because, you know, I've used the variants of it over the years from when it was communicator to link and now Skype for business. And it seems like it's just not as reliable as it used to be um, in, in a lot of ways. So I used to really like using the video chats on there. Now it's like, I'd almost rather use my cell phone. Interesting. I don't have those issues. And I guess there's, there's one distinction. And then there's one thing I want to point out um, with, um, with Skype for business, you know, if, if you are running your own server and now, now concurrency, you guys are experts in like running your own link server. So I, yeah. I don't suspect that's the issue here, but I think I've, I've run into a lot of organizations where they try to configure it internally and, uh, you know, maybe they have some of the settings off and then, and then they, they complain about it, uh, which is fine. I mean, I guess the complaint there would be, maybe it's too hard to configure, uh, but there is you know, essentially a hosted version of that in, in Azure where you don't have to worry about any of those types of things. Um, and then if there's issues with that, then I would really be concerned because I, I really don't have a lot of issues, but it's one of those things where it really does seem to, to vary by company. So do you guys, like whenever you, uh, whenever you place a call within you, you know, to somebody else in your company, do you always use video or is it usually audio? So, um, that's kind of interesting because that's been a, a transition for us. Yeah. Um, Prior to really me and a few other people being on, there wasn't a whole lot of remote people. Mm. And this past fall, there was an initiative. We uh, essentially, uh, our our vice president said, whenever you're uh, communicating with anybody that you can use video, use video. And I think that's been really helped because there's a lot of that nonverbal communication that really gets uh, sent over video that you don't pick up on. It's it's, great that that came from the top too, instead of just some random person doing it. Because it, it's, we've had a hard time starting that within our team. Uh, we had, you know, Jeff Blankenberg on our team. He, he would try to do that. 
um, he would always turn on his video and it was, it was starting to take hold and then he left and then it just, it went to crap again where, you know, people just don't use video, uh, it gets used for, for bigger meetings, but yeah, I think there's a, a ton of value to it, but it, it has to reach critical mass and, and people just have to get used to using it for sure. What about you, Brandon? Uh, so really uh, a couple comments on, mm-hmm. on that in general. Um, so as far as video goes, we, we don't really do a lot of that. And I, I think that some of that is um, honestly like internet connectivity. Yeah. Um, not everyone has just an amazing connection. You know, sometimes it's not your choice. You're just in an area that doesn't have, you know, very good connection. Um, and then just uh, some some people just really aren't into it. They, they feel weird about being in front of a camera. Yeah. You know, it's not so much they don't want to be seen. It's just the, the camera aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Some people just get honestly skittish in front of a camera <laughs> yep and <clears throat> i know that because i i do photography on the side and some people just really don't do well i got a good uh, story on that for when you're done here okay okay <laughs> so I, besides that though um like me personally i have no issue i have no issue doing a video chat um i so i work for skyline and we're doing a lot of um like scrum based teams so there's there's a tech lead on on most of the teams i'm a tech lead on mine so we actually started this uh every other week uh, call, which we've actually, I made the push for doing video because I've actually never met some of these people in person. Yeah. So it's nice to actually, you know, put a face to the name and all that stuff. Yep. So, you know, where appropriate, at least just me personally, I'll try to push for a video call just because it, it is nice, like actually seeing people, especially for me, because I live in Michigan and they're all in Wisconsin and it's like seeing them is like really, really rare, <laughs> except for when I go on site, which is yep. also really rare. Uh, so video is is few and far between, but uh, when we do get to use it, I, I find a lot of value in it. Yeah, yeah. So I at, at uh, actually it was when we all worked together. It was funny. I think uh, I think Skype for business. Whenever you if you call somebody with video, if you start it with video, one of the options that pops up is is to answer with video. And uh, I, I don't remember if that's still the case or not, but yeah, I remember calling. Um, um, uh, one lady at home and, uh, she wasn't prepared for that. So it came on and she noticed that she was on there and I think she hadn't, uh, you know, I don't know. She wasn't happy with her appearance in some way. And she just like dropped to the floor and then you can see her <laughs> hand, you know, I'm kind of motioning here, but you can see her hand like coming up on the table, like trying to like feel around, like cover up the camera and, and turn it off. Um, yeah. So, so watch out for that, but yeah, just, try to always be ready, ready for video if you can, and, and try to get that to start virally. I've, I've actually done a poor job of that. Like I said, once Jeff left and, uh, once Clark, once Clark left the team, they, they, those two were really pushing it. Um, uh, but you know, see if you can get that to, uh, to catch on. Uh, one other thing I want to mention about Skype, and I, I don't know if you guys know this, but this is kind of an interesting, um, oddity at Microsoft that I think most people wouldn't know. Uh, I don't have a phone number. Um, it's, it's like the first company I've been at where like you just, I don't get a phone number. If you are officially in one of the offices, they give you a phone number, but for whatever reason, and this is probably some, it probably has some strange root reason. If you are a remote user and if you, you know, cause I started as a remote user, uh, it's policy that they do not give you a phone number. Uh, so what ends up happening is, you know, basically every meeting I have, it, it's, it's, it's surprising how much of a non-issue it is. And I, I actually think it's a good thing 
because every meeting that I have with uh, partners, customers, um, I basically send them a, uh, an Outlook invite and I push the button that says, you know, insert Skype meeting. And then that's right in that meeting and then they can join it and we can talk. So I can do VoIP. And then also all the partners that I work with are all federated, which means that I can Skype call them directly, um, you know, without having to actually dial in a phone number. The advantage is that the the quality is actually way better. You know, it's basically HD voice, um, kind of like how we do it here on, on regular Skype. Um, but it's pretty rare that I actually need a number. If I need to do that, sometimes I'll, I have an office 365 account, so I get 60 minutes through regular Skype and I can call a regular phone. Um, otherwise I'll use my, my cell phone, but just kind of a, kind of a weird oddity to have, you know, such a giant company and they don't give you a phone number. Like you have to, you have to find a different way to do it. And it's really a non-issue. Yeah. I, going back to what we were talking about on video though, and appearance, yep. um, the, the company that I work for actually has a fairly strict dress code. Um, probably the strictest that I've ever had. Yeah. And as a rem- remote worker, um, you guys can see me, but, um, for those of you who can't, you know, I'm wearing a, a bright red sweatshirt today and I was on a video call with my boss and he made a comment on it and not that it was bad, but you know, it was just, you know, you, that is one of the perks is you can, you know, get around a few, you just say you're, you're totally following the dress code underneath that sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, Totally. And then, yeah, and then ask joke, if, if you should stand up so you can see your pants or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, his joke is if I if I put up my hoodie and wore a a mask that I could uh, start robbing people. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. Uh, so that's actually a good point. Like, how does how does a dress code work with video calls? Like, do you should remote workers be beholden to the dress code? So that's so this had to get mentioned at some point, right? Because <laughs> we're talking about remote work. Yeah. So back in the day, yeah. when we worked together, we had this little machine yep. that would sit in the office, and it was the virtual Brandon. Yep. Right? That was pretty much a eight-hour-a-day streaming video, Yep. always available kind of thing. So for that, at least I personally felt that I should, at least from the top up, uh, <laughs> obtain, you know. TMI. Be, yeah, exactly. Right. <clears throat> I was, disclaimer, I was always fully dressed. Um, <laughs> but I felt like that I should at least adhere to, uh, the dress code as reasonably close as possible. That's interesting. Uh, just because yeah. I was always seen and technically you could argue I was in the office. Yeah. Right. So I think when you have a hybrid like that, it, it makes some of these rules a little wishy-washy on which way you should go. Yeah. So for now, I don't do that anymore. I don't have, you know, the constantly streaming video. So, I mean, I too am in a, in a hoodie, wearing a t-shirt, nothing, you know, that would, I would wear in the office. Um, but if I were to like, for, this has actually happened. Um, I've had like calls and stuff with my director and I was wearing casual clothes and I went and switched to a button up <laughs> just so that it looked like, Hey, this guy's respectable. Well, couldn't you use some kind of filter to just like, you know, overlay like a button down shirt in the yeah, video stream? <laughs> that could be an option. That makes sense though. Like if you, if your company has a dress code, like, you know, get on the ball, Carl. And, uh, you know, why do you think you're special? <laughs> Carl's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> no, that that's, that's kind of interesting. It, it depends on the company. Actually, I suspect like with, um, uh, yeah. So with concurrency, it's probably because, you know, if you bring uh, clients into the office or something, um, and if you remote, um, I'm guessing Carl, if you were talking to clients, that it might be a different story than too. Yes. doing that over video makes sense. And 
And, and while I do take a, a good amount of sales calls, all of those are just regular calls. Yeah. They're not video. Yeah. I think the takeaway though is whoever you're going to be talking to, try to use video if you can. And if you're going to be using video, then you should be conscious of what the standards are for being in person and, um, and try to follow those if you can. I think we just, uh, I think we just learned something there. That's pretty cool. Thanks for sharing, Brandon. So let's talk uh, hardware. So I use, um, I, this is super, super important. So there's, there's two things for me that are critical. Uh, one is I use the Logitech. I think it's the C920. Does that sound right? That sounds about right. I think it's a $70, maybe $60 webcam that is just phenomenal. Uh, it's 1080p. Um, and it supports H.264 encoding in the hardware. So if you are doing a regular Skype call, and this is actually what we did with you, Brandon, uh, we had a good camera on both sides. We actually all day were getting full 1080p at 30 frames per second, and it looked amazing. Um, so that's really important. Plus, it has dual mics on it. So it has uh, stereo mics. That way it can do noise cancellation. Um, I wouldn't necessarily use those, but if you have to, they're actually not bad at all. And then the other key is to have a really good headset. So I actually have a, we talked about this in the hardware episode. I don't remember the exact model. I think it's like a Jabra 94 something, something. Um, basically it's this super lightweight. I use a, it's not a stereo one. It's a mono one. It goes on to one ear. Uh, I don't even, it does I can't even feel it when I'm wearing it. And then it has the mic that comes down and it has a 400 foot range. Actually, I think it's 450. I, I have walked out into my yard, you know, like in the summer to check something in the pool, like while I'm listening into a call, or if you just want to like pace around the house or, or whatever, it works everywhere. And you don't have to think about, it. you don't have to get tangled up. You don't have to rip wires apart. Um, if you're going to be on the phone, a reasonable amount at all, go spend the money. I think it's a few hundred bucks. Totally, totally, totally worth it. So what hardware do you guys use? So I just use the built-in webcam that's in my laptop. Yeah. Um, that does plenty fine for what I need. And uh, uh, we're all issued wireless headsets. They have a, at least when I was hired, they had a choice of three of them. Yep. And I got to pick the one that I wanted. So I picked kind of similar to you, except it covers both ears. Okay. And uh, it, it's essentially the dual ear version of what you have. Okay. And what about you, Brandon? Uh, so for webcams, um, you know, I obviously used to use, as you mentioned, the this was a C920 Logitech, which was which was amazing. Not gonna lie. Well, and what's funny is it's, I mean, it's still like for the past five years, like it's been the number one camera. Yeah, it's it really is fantastic. Um, but today, uh, being that I work for another employer, I actually just use the built-in. Um, so I have a MacBook Pro. Yeah. Uh, I use the iSight, which actually has pretty good quality as well. Yeah. Um, I would say those cameras just keep getting better and better. Cause it's like, yeah. they have a choice between spending four cents or five cents and the four right. cent option is still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think with the model I have, I think it's actually HDI site. So mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty solid. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second. And I want to talk about infragistics. Yeah. If you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, they have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. 
charting, gauges, barcodes. It's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio too. It lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and you know sell your ideas. Yeah, what I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to to go and use these controls in every type of app all under one ultimate license is is really big plus. If we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos. So you can try it out for a month, download the demos and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. As far as um, headsets go, um, used to have one of the, the Jabra ones, which was fantastic. I actually have it sitting on my wish list. I think I'm going to pick it up again, which I think is the same one you have, Jason. Um, I, too, have like walked through the whole house, gone out, gotten the mail. Yep. Um, does yours have the, the hardware mute button in the headset? Uh, it's not a hard, you, it, it actually is like a capacitive one. So you, you double tap on the side and it mutes that's, it. Yep. That's what it was. Yep. I will say that is one thing I miss. Um, I have a Plantronics, uh, Voyager Pro, mm-hmm. uh, right now, um, to do a hardware mute, you have to like hold the volume buttons at the same time. Oh, that, yeah. So it's actually kind good. of a pain. Yep. It never works. It always says volume maximum. It's like, no, I want you to mute. <laughs> so you're sitting there like smacking the headset and people are like, what's that noise? Yeah. Uh, nothing. So, um, no, I, I, I definitely want to switch back to that. And I will say the headset really matters, especially, um, like with me being a tech lead on the team, I'm 90% of my day on the phone. Mm-hmm. So having something with good battery life, good range, good quality, is just super important. Yep. And uh, I'm, I was just thinking the other day that I'm actually probably going to pull the trigger and buy that set again. Do it. Do it. Totally. I, I probably will. And, you know, I, I must add, you know, like you just triggered uh, another thought. If you're if you're deciding between something that's wireless and wired, I would definitely choose wireless. Yeah. Be Having the ability to just like stand up and pace or go to the window, uh, that's huge. Yep. Yeah, I find myself uh, on calls all the time, just walking around the office. Mm-hmm. And um, at least for me, my office is like covered in instruments and stuff. So I'll be on like mute and I'll grab a guitar and I'll sit there and play like on a call, <laughs> um, looking out the window. You should you should uh, say like, uh, can I put you on hold for a moment? And then just start. Brrrr. Just play some music. Yeah. <laughs> so um, wireless, like without a doubt, I would yeah. never own a wired headset. Yeah. Totally not the way to go. Cool. And then what about hallway conversations? You guys ever feel like you're missing out? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I th- and I think that's part of the reason why I'm part of so many Slack channels is because I kind of make up for that a little bit with that. Yeah. As well as realizing that my wife can make up some of that hallway chat. Granted, it's not the techie chat, but it's the, hey, I'm talking to a person face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there is potentially some bonding there, especially if you don't use uh, video. And then I always think too, like, I, I, I just, I kind of feel like this and I don't know how real it is. I guess it depends on your, your boss and, and, and what your role is and things like that. But, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of those, those hallway conversations. Like I, I feel like on, on certain teams, you get credit just for existing and being there. Um, and remote, it seems like there's, there's a higher bar because it's more of like, it, it is more about what you deliver. So I almost think that if you are, if you are in the office, you probably, 
and I don't know if this is true. I mean, I'm just totally like, this is just how I feel. But if you're in the office, it seems a little bit easier because, you know, your, your boss sees you every day and, and, uh, um, you know, it's like, yep, I'm, I'm here. Look at me typing away, totally working, <laughs> even though you're having like, you know, they might be having like an hour of, of conversations every day. Plus they have an hour of driving. Right. So, you know, you could, you could have an extra two hours worth of work in, but it kind of feels like you have to, you have to go extra there just to, just to make it seem like you're, you're working the same amount, even though you're working more. I don't know how I, you guys know, feel. I think one of the things is, you know, being conscientious of your communication and communication style. Mm -hmm. if, if you're the kind of person who, like you said, you're just going to knuckle under, you're going to do eight hours worth of work. You're going to do it silently. You, that leads to a little bit more of, you know, the situation that you're seeing. But if you're somebody who's a little bit more proactive, you're reaching out to your boss, your coworkers and stuff like that. I think that overcomes some of those issues. Yeah. Brandon comments. Yeah. So I, I would totally agree with that. I think, I think your communication style will really play into that. Um, you know, and, and honestly, like as far as like people, you know, the whole, I can see you working thing. Um, I off to dig up the link you can throw in the show notes or something. But <laughs> have you seen the, uh, the Reddit skin for, uh, making it look like outlook? Yeah. Yeah. So you make Reddit look like outlook. It's like, there's workarounds like that for a reason. You know, oh, people go yeah. do their job, sit at work for eight hours, browsing the internet, and then go home. Opposed to, like, I've always felt like being a remote worker, I, I have to and almost have no choice but to be a rock star. Yeah. Because if you're not delivering and you're not acting like you're doing your work, or rather actually doing your work, <laughs> um, and you don't have that visibility, it really discredits your work and what you're actually contributing. So you have to be just that, you know, like I said, that rock star. <laughs> I'm just having these flashbacks as I was at a place where, you know, the, the majority of the workforce, they were not developers. And, uh, you know, so there was just that mentality that it's really the time that you, you punch in, that you punch out. And I actually had this conversation with my boss and this is, it's just in hindsight, it is just so unbelievably ridiculous. He's like, you know, uh, accounting, uh, there was some red flags with your timesheet. Uh, you put in. 44, I think, I, I believe the number was like 44.1 hours, uh, per week was your average. And I'm like, well, that's like more than the normal 40, you know? And he's like, yeah, we kind of expect you to be here 45. You know, it was like one of these office space moments. It's like, can, can we talk about my performance? No, we're going to, we're going to talk about the number of hours. And it's like, are you for real? I, it was just, it's unbelievable. So I think if you're, if you're in that type of job, that is, that should be a huge red flag to you that so you're I, in the wrong, I, wrong place. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta mention this. So there's a show that I've like fallen in love with, um, that, uh, started off as a college humor, mm -hmm. uh, skit, uh, Adam ruins everything. Yep, Have you guys it. watched it? Yep. The workplace episode just nails every one of these topics. Okay. So, uh, for anyone listening, definitely go and check that episode out because we'll they talk about all this. Yeah. yeah. They, they talk about like the, the worker that finished all of their work for the week, but they have a day left of work. Yeah. So what do they do? They just sit around and not do anything <laughs> to look like they're working. Yeah. And it's, it's that same thing. It's like, well, did I get what I needed to get done? Yes. So why do I have to be here? Why do I need in your case that 0.9 hours? Yep to show that I did the right work. And I'll, I'll tell you this, the guy that pointed that out, I did not want to work hard for him. My current boss, who is like the complete opposite of that. It's, it's all about results. I mean, just a hundred percent results based. 
Um, that's the guy I want to work hard for. You know, that's, that's the reality. So th- if, if there's any managers listening and you're, and you are acting like that, you are making your, you know, you're, you're doing the opposite to your employees of than what your, than what your intention is. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's, let's talk about distractions. Uh, let's see. How do we want to go into this? Why work remotely? So uh, Carl, you relinked to this one, even though we talked about it last week. Do you want yeah, to? Yeah, we talked about it last week, but I, I think it just fit this topic so well. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, it has nothing to do with productivity. There's a lot of times that, you know, the flexibilities that you have when you work remotely, um, you get to do certain things. Like if you have to run to the mechanic, yeah. you can run to the mechanic. And maybe if you have to sit there, you can work from your laptop from the waiting you know, area. Um, oh, that's or so like useful. the, yeah. and you know, I've done that actually a few times Yep. or, or you know, I have a, a one-year-old and a four-year-old that are home all day. Obviously they don't quite understand the boundaries of, Hey, daddy's quote working now. <laughs> I, um, I can't believe you didn't just mention this because I just used this excuse. Someone asked, Hey, you got a minute to talk. And I said, actually, I got to go record a podcast. How do you not <laughs> use that as your first example? It's yeah, your and, podcast. <laughs> and I was actually in the middle of working with my boss and I had, I just said, you know, Hey, I have a podcast coming up. Um, no, you know, we're, we're recording this at 1am by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not quite. Yeah. But, um, you know, he understands that, you know, my work will get done. Yeah. Um, you know, with some of this flexibility comes the understanding that, hey, you know, if you take advantage of these certain things, that you're still going to be doing the same type and quality of work as if you were in the office. Yeah. Well, take yesterday, for example. I mean, I I got all ready. I was, you know, ready by 7 a.m. So I started working. Uh, meanwhile, if anybody else, you know, that, that wouldn't be working from home that was working in the same time zone, they would have been driving for 30 minutes. So that's at seven 30, you know, stand by the water cooler, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I finished, I don't know, five o'clock around then. And then, you know, after the kids went to bed, some stuff came up a little bit later and I'm like, yeah, okay, let's just, let's get this resolved. So I get a jump start in the next day. And I worked on that, you know, so it goes both ways and it, and it, totally evens out. I would say, you know, I would say we're even more productive, but you're totally right on the mechanic. I've done that. I, I went down uh, a few weeks ago, dropped off my car and they're like, Oh, do you want a loan or anything? I said, no, I'm just going to walk to the coffee shop. That's, you know, two blocks down the road. I go down there and I just set up and I just worked there all day. And then, uh, you know, I just, I got all my work done, took my calls and then, uh, picked up my car and, and went back home. It was just, it was handy for that kind of stuff. And then like this so, article says, you know, spending time with your family too, hugging your kids, you know, going to the park for lunch, things like that. Yeah. And, and one of the huge perks for me is because I don't have a morning commute anymore. I'm actually home when my kids need to get ready for school. Yeah. So I can, you know, be the one who's there helping them. And not only is that huge for me and my family, you know, for my kids, but it also allows like my wife to sleep in. She's not a morning person. <laughs> so it lets her like wake up at her own schedule. Okay. So, it, you know, my, you know, my family is seeing multiple benefits. From That's this. pretty cool. So what were you going to say, Brandon? So uh, I, a little bit of a tangent, but I guess related. Um, so I'll totally admit I've done the exact same thing. You, you go to an appointment, you have to, you know, drop the car off, whatever you find a, a nearby cafe or whatnot. Um, or for me, you know, I've, I've like traveled before and had, um, like, you know, just need to take a break, but at the same time you want to be productive. So you stop somewhere. So my question is, what do you think the etiquette is 
for using cafes for extended periods of time. So <laughs> let's say more than an hour, right? Yeah. Because you go there, you get coffee. There's obviously, you know, a, a window that's appropriate, you know, after uh, you've bought a coffee. I can whatever. tell you what I do. So I feel guilty the entire time and I tend to just keep ordering stuff all day. <laughs> So I don't, okay. I don't so do it. That's on a, what I would do. Yeah. I don't do it on a regular enough basis that I go broke. Uh, but in the last time I was there, uh, getting my car worked on, uh, you know, I ordered some tea. I actually ordered breakfast and then, uh, I think like one more tea. And then, uh, when lunch came around, I ordered lunch. <laughs> so, you know, I just, uh, I just, you know, kept the ball rolling there. So should we set the precedent right now and just say like an item an hour? Do you think that's enough? Do you think that's a good, <laughs> uh, I'll get one coffee every hour I'm in here. Maybe it's uh maybe it's like five bucks an hour. Let's say. Okay. okay. Uh, otherwise, you know, you can't just get something like dirt cheap or something. I, I don't know. I just, I do feel guilty about taking up that space. I just want to be like, yeah, Hey, I'm still a paying customer the entire time I'm here. Um, but again, I, I don't do that that often. I know some people are like, you know, yeah, twice a week, I got to go somewhere else so that I can see, uh, you know, the rest of humanity. Um, I actually have no issue with, with, um, staying here in my office and, and never seeing the rest of uh, civilization. Uh, that's just, that's just how I am. And then the other thing I'm gonna talk about here in regards to distractions is like training, training my family. So, you know, my kids, I have a four-year-old, you know, and right away, well, first I have like glass doors all over my office and I actually uh, tinted all of them. Uh, so that was the first thing because they would just sit there and stare at me. It was really creepy. Uh, <laughs> so the first thing was to make it so they couldn't see me. Um, and then basically it took a few days, but it was like, when I'm in here and the door is closed, I am at work, you know, like that. If, if you ask them what at work means, it means, oh, daddy is in that room right there. You know, they don't see work as something that you drive to. They see it as like you, you go in the other room and you do whatever it is that you do. Um, so that was really, really important because then in those core hours that I'm working 99% of the time, I just come in here and they actually never bother me. I, I know that some people that's a big concern for, uh, but it took, I don't know, three days maybe. And they were perfect about it. So, uh, interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my family, we bought this house specifically for my working at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the, the house I had before, um, what was my office? You had to walk through to get uh, upstairs. Yeah. So it's because it, it was built kind of like some of the old farmhouses that every room was connected to every other room. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that mentality. So that became like just a huge problem, right? Like if I was on a call, either my wife couldn't go upstairs with my my oldest uh, son, um, or we'd have to just like finagle it. Like, okay, I'm on a call. I hit mute run kind of a thing. So we, we actually bought this house because <clears throat> it's a four bedroom house, but one of the bedrooms is on the total opposite end of everything else. So it's like, this is perfect for an office. Yep. So, um, using essentially what you were just saying, Jason, like I have more or less trained the family that if the office door is closed, you do not distract me unless you absolutely need something. Yep. And even then, um, you know, with, with iMessage and all the other stuff, my wife can text yeah, me, my wife will like, text Hey, me. Yeah. this or that. So even then, like, it's very seldom that they would ever have to come in, like, you know, quote unquote, bother me. Absolutely. Uh, so I actually read something interesting today. Like every, it's funny cause I've, I've gotten, uh, so I've seen so many things like just in the past couple of days on, on working remote. So this was, um, uh, somebody internally at Microsoft, 
um, said, um, our group just implemented meeting free Fridays, no explanations needed for working from home or short out of being out of office, uh, 30 minute meetings, use of Yammer for FYI stuff to reduce email clutter. Um, so you're, you know, basically like you, you do what you need to do to get stuff done on Friday. So I would call it like get stuff done Fridays. <laughs> and, uh, that's kind of cool. Like, I think that's a way to, to give this a try. Like if you are, uh, managing a team and you want to try something like this, um, just say, Hey, for the next, I don't know, give it a reasonable amount of time for the next eight weeks, Fridays are free game. Um, you know, listen, we, we want, we want to make sure, you know, this isn't like, you know, go do whatever you want. We want you working from home, but we'll want to see what it does to productivity and then, uh, see, you know, run that experiment, see if it works and see if you can expand it from there then. So one of the things that uh, just triggered in my head, and this is kind of counterintuitive for most people who work from offices, but, uh, I actually, ha- uh, send emails when I'll be working in the office, when I'm actually traveling to the office unexpectedly. So I, you know, I just think it, you know, it's one of those things that the first couple of times you do it, it just feels odd. You'll d- explain that again. So normally, like if somebody's not going to be at the office, they they oh, send a typical so this out is of the reverse out of office. So, so I'm like, <laughs> this hey is, everybody, just you know, I'm going to be in the office. So this today. is an in office notification. <laughs> well, that's good though. That makes sense because you yeah. know, hey, if you want to like you know deeply collaborate in person. Um, I, my body will be there. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I don't have to do that as much because now, um, I'm actually going on site once every three weeks. Okay. So I live, I live about two hours away. So that's something that's not terrible to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's definitely worth the FaceTime and collaboration with the team. Cool. Uh, anything else on distractions or should we move on to caffeine? So, uh, I have one note on your meeting free Fridays. Yep. Um, so on my team, um, we, uh, we actually do like sprint planning and stuff on Mondays and demos on Fridays and stuff. And we've tried to push that. I I've always felt that scrum stuff should happen in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so my argument has been, is that uh, meeting free Friday, which, which we've gotten rid of the Friday meeting. So that's great. Um, but I, I think there should also be meeting free Monday. And the reason for that is, uh, at least I know when I take time off, I always take time off on Fridays and Mondays because you're going for extended weekends or whatever. So keep the really important meetings like midweek because I personally don't know anyone that goes, you know what? I just want to take a Wednesday off. Like no one really takes Wednesdays Wednesdays off. Which is kind of funny because it it does, in theory, it seems kind of appealing to take a Wednesday off because then your, your weeks are only two days long. I, yeah, like a <laughs> I never, mini, I never actually do that, but I'm just saying like uh, the thought has crossed my mind to do a Wednesday vacation, but you're totally right. Everybody takes some Mondays or Fridays. Okay. So let's move on to caffeine, uh, coffee. Uh, so I suppose we should talk to uh, Brandon and then we'll let Carl tell us what a burr grinder is. <laughs> 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 That's a bit of an inside joke. Uh, uh, so Brandon, <laughs> how do we make you you are a coffee expert. You've been drinking coffee since you were, I think like two. one year old, two years old, two. Okay. Yeah. I started late. Okay. Coffee since uh, you were, you were two, uh, not too many defects as a result of that. Um, so how do you make a good cup of coffee? So, uh, it, it, it depends on the day, but, uh, my preferred cup. Uh, so I'm a huge AeroPress fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone that drinks coffee and doesn't have an AeroPress, you have no excuse. They're like 20 bucks, super cheap, and you will never regret the decision, guarantee it. Um, so I, I am very much an AeroPress drinker. Uh, I like a very 
good full-bodied cup of coffee. Um, I, I tend to do lighter roasts, but go medium uh, quite a bit of the time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I'm not huge in the dark roast because you end up tasting the roast more than you do the actual yeah. coffee itself. Uh, and not that it really matters if you really look into the science on it. Technically, light roast has more caffeine, but you're talking like a milligram difference. <laughs> okay. Like effectively, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's a normal day. Uh, my wife is also really big in the coffee, so um, if I'm feeling lazy, I switch over to the Chemex, which ends up making about four cups uh, of coffee. I gotcha. We have the eight cup model. They call it eight cup, but honestly, it's like four coffee cups. <laughs> um, so that's that's what we do. Okay. Uh, we do tend to grind it ourselves. Uh, I have a cheap burr grinder at the moment, but uh, I'll let <laughs> you mean, Carl you mean talk about that. It's not a real one. burr grinder. <laughs> it's not a real okay. burr grinder. So then, then why even say that? No, I. I so so I wanted to talk about that AeroPress because um, if you're one of these, pe- if you're if you're listening and you're like one of these people that like the smell of coffee but you don't like the taste of coffee, you're probably a super taster and you probably don't like the coffee because of the bitterness. And with the AeroPress, you don't get the bitterness, so it makes coffee in my opinion, in my limited palate, it makes it taste more like it smells than, you know, it's not like that just horribly bitter taste. Yeah, totally. It, uh, so the big benefit there is that, um, again, without getting too sciencey, um, coffee has a lot of, uh, compounds and specifically oils in it. Yep. And a lot of what contributes to the good flavors of coffee are those oils. So <clears throat> when you, if, and when you start to look in AeroPress, you'll, you'll see that it comes with paper filters, but there's also metal disc filters out there as well. And if you look into the people that are super hardcore passionate about this, they'll actually say, don't go with the metal because it doesn't absorb any of the oils. And there are some oils in there that are pretty bitter and are actually technically speaking toxic. Granted in your average cup of coffee, you don't really have much to worry about. So you, you do get like the full flavor of the coffee. And um, one of the last big mentions, science speaking, that I'll make, uh, and I actually did a ton of research on this because I got into a huge family argument over this. Um, if your coffee is too bitter and you're unfortunate enough to have a drip coffee maker. Eggshells? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> I've heard this. Uh, okay. <laughs> most people, most people um, actually don't put enough coffee in. Yeah. Uh, so they'll make like the average 10 cup pot of coffee. And they'll just put like two or three tablespoons of coffee because they're like, oh, I don't want to waste any coffee. And what you end up doing uh, is you over extract the coffee yeah. and those oils that taste bitter. You pull those oils out and you make a more bitter cup. Yep. So the, the trick there is, is on average, you should actually be using like two tablespoons per six ounces of water um, and you'll get a less bitter cup of coffee and it'll taste better and you'll, you'll get more caffeine too, yep. right? You know, more coffee, more caffeine. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I don't like coffee. I can drink coffee black from the AeroPress. It's, it's amazing how big of a difference that is. And I even had, uh, I had somebody over and I know they always use a ton of cream and sugar in their coffee. And I said, you know what? L- try this. I said, this is black. And they're like, I, I don't like it black. And they tried it and they're like, this is better than, than what I'm drinking with the, with the cream and sugar in it. It was just, it was just amazing. Okay, so Carl, what's a burr grinder? So we're not going to talk about it. Look it up. <laughs> Long and oh, come on. Yeah. Basically, I got to say Jason was wrong. <laughs> I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Carl, yes. I bought a I bought a, a burr grinder, and apparently there's two kinds of burr grinders, and my burr isn't good enough for Carl. 
<laughs> That's the short It's version. not a true bird. It's a fake bird. <laughs> it's a fake but anyways, so without beating the coffee side to, to death, I, I do have to have a cup of coffee in the morning because uh, I'm just hooked on caffeine. I will get caffeine headaches if I don't get a coffee early enough. Mm. So I start off with coffee, but I'm... Anybody who knows me knows I'm really into tea, loose leaf tea. Um, I buy it by the pound uh, from a site called adagio.com, which in my opinion has some of the best, freshest tea leaves yep. I've found. That's the a really go. good, consistent quality product. Yeah. What kind do you drink? Um, I, I mostly drink the black teas. So I, I really like Earl Grey. Um, I like the like English or Irish breakfasts. Uh, the re- you know the the darker ones, but I also really like the white teas. And for those of you who don't know, you know what the difference between the teas are. So uh, tea is processed by making the after picking, uh, make wetting down the tea leaves and letting them sit. Essentially, the longer you let them sit, they'll pass through different stages. Um, white tea leaves are considered uh, the the first leaves that are picked in spring. They still have a little bit of fuzz on the leaf. And they're minimally processed, so just they're not aged very long, and then they're dried. Um, green tea leaves is a little bit longer. Black is obviously the the longest, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's what the differences are. So I'm really not a fan of the green. Uh, for me, uh, they have a grassy flavor, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan. I'm of not that. a fan either. But some people are. Um, I'm also not a fan of rooibos tea, which is not actually a tea. It's uh, an herbal tea which just means not made from the, the Sinesis Camasis uh, tea leaf. Um, He's getting real. Yeah. <laughs> Science. <laughs> Science. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, come, that, that was come, originally come, came come. about um, in, in I think, one of the World Wars. I can't remember if it was one or two, but because – I think it was World War II because of all of the tea production that came out of the Asian area, mm-hmm. uh, they needed to find a substitute, and they found that rooibos – was a plant in South Africa that was acceptable enough for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how that came about and got popularized. Okay. But I'm not a fan of that for whatever it's worth. <laughs> so I, I have a question. So Carl, I know you have an AeroPress. Yes. Because you have to. Um, <laughs> have you ever made tea in the AeroPress? No. I, I thought about it, but I haven't yet. I, I tried it once. So I'm not a huge tea drinker. I like tea. But I always go to coffee as my my default. Um, I, I drink tea when I'm sick, pretty much is the only time I drink it. But um, I made it in the AeroPress, and as as a tip, it turned out okay. But uh, just because I know tea has to steep a little bit more than coffee, mm-hmm. um, you put the plunger on the top, and it creates suction, so it sits a little longer, and then you pressurize it by pushing on it, and it actually turned out pretty good. So give it yeah. a try. Tell me good what you to think. know. Good to yeah, know. So- so the biggest thing on tea is having enough room for the tea leaves to expand because, mm-hmm. uh, especially with loose leaf, they're going to be curled. And if you don't give them enough room, not enough water will go through it. So here's my, uh, here's what I do every day. So cup of coffee from the AeroPress in the morning. And what's kind of cool, I actually have um, instant hot water. I have an instant hot water tap. Um, so it's like a separate tap by my regular sink that has water that's basically just below boiling. Uh, they, it comes out instantly so I can make that coffee in the morning in like 
I don't know, 60 seconds. It's kind of ridiculous. It's faster than a coffee maker. And that, so I start out with a cup of coffee and then I will do uh, Jasmine Yin Hao is my favorite kind of tea. I get that from Adagio. And then I do an Irish breakfast after that, if I want another cup. And then before bed, I use that Roy boss or however you pronounce that. Um, it's actually um, kind of an herbal thing for uh, helping you sleep. Cause it is like you said, it's not a tea. It has zero caffeine in it and it can actually help you sleep. And I use um, honey with all the, the tea as well. Cause it has some actually pro tip. If you like honey, yep. um, but you think that it changes the flavor too much, nope. go with agave nectar. I thought about trying some of that. I, I like the honey though. Um, I, I like I, the I've, flavor and honey's just good. Stuff. That's what I use when I sweeten tea. Okay. Agave is good in coffee too, okay. for the record. I'll have, to, I'll have to try that because it makes coffee a little unusual tasting. Oh, okay, so caffeine. So we talked about coffee, tea, uh, diet and exercise. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know what we want to talk about here. You know, I mentioned in a few episodes ago, I got a treadmill so, desk. Okay. So here's kind of what I was thinking about that. Um, one of my, my goals when I actually became a remote worker is I'm like, oh, I'm going to have all this extra time in the day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to exercise I'm going to finally get, you know, have all the time in the day to do it. And you know, you know what? I still have not gotten to a point where I'm exercising. (laughs) Cool story, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you know, the thing is, I mean, there's the way that we, we have our lives set up. I mean, as remote workers, there's a lot of like pluses that people are going to be hearing about and, you know, hearing us talk about, but there are negatives too. I mean, we talked a little bit with communication and stuff like that. Yeah. But a lot of times you just have to realize your plans don't always just magically work because you think like, Hey, I, I have two extra hours a day from not commuting. That means I have, I can take at least a, a half hour to an hour to exercise every yeah. day. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can't watch your kids all day either. Like there's people like, Oh, it's so lucky. Like you can watch your kids all day. And I'm like, how the heck would I do that? I can't watch my kids and work all day. <laughs> like it just doesn't work. Like I'm working. Um, so I think they have a different definition of work, but I would say the treadmill desk. Oh my God, that thing's amazing. Um, you know, I can, it's, it's easy. Like without even thinking about it, you can be on there for an hour and you get in. It's about, um, it's about a step or it's about a uh, hundred steps every minute. So for, you know, 10 minutes, you can get in a thousand steps, uh, for an hour. That would be, you know, 6,000, probably less than 6,000, let's say 5,000 steps for an hour. Um, and i I try to do that twice a day. So like in the morning, um, when I'm a little bit more in consumption mode, trying to figure out what I'm doing for the day and, and catching up in emails and stuff like that. And then again in the afternoon and, uh, you know, so that's 12,000 steps right there and you can feel like, you know, it's in my basement where it's cold. Um, I can be wearing a t-shirt and I'll, I'll get pretty warm. It gets your heart rate up. It's just awesome. So I don't know. I, now that I've had that thing for a while, I'm, I'm, I start to feel more and more comfortable to recommend them to people. Um, they're just, it's just amazing. Um, anything else we wanted to talk about cult? We had another item on here culture, but I think we talked about that with selling it to your boss and, uh, yeah. Anything else, any gaps that we didn't fill in? So, you know, you know, this is kind of last minute throwing it out, but I, I've had people like come up to me, like, you know, like I definitely can't work from home. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't propose that where I'm at. In fact, I kind of hate my job. How do I find a job where I can work remotely? Yeah. So, you know, without having an answer to that, I'd like to toss it out to you guys. Well, I would, I mean, there are companies that, that, um, are, are well known for having remote workers. So like 
go apply it buffer <laughs> uh, in Microsoft. I, the engineering teams at Microsoft aren't necessarily as open to it, but um, um, a lot of the other teams at Microsoft are open to it. I really don't know. Um, you know, Brandon probably has a little bit more experience cause he's actually gotten to work from home at companies that aren't really about working from home. Um, but those companies are out there. I wouldn't necessarily try to restrict myself to them, but they, they are out there. If you, you know, if you're going to work, if you don't want to move, but you want to work somewhere, the, the options are out there. I'm not sure how to find them. Any advice there, Brandon? Um, a, a little bit. Um, I, I've been pretty lucky in, in the opportunities I've stumbled upon, but, um, just <clears throat> in looking for opportunities, um, cause you should, even if you have an awesome job, you should always keep your eyes open. I mean, honestly speaking, mm-hmm. but, um, I found that like looking on the tech sites, like careers 2.0 or whatever they're at now, uh, LinkedIn, things like that. Um, your best bet is networking. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not always going to be you just searching out that perfect job that lets you be remote. Sometimes you have to work up to it. Like my first job, uh, I actually interned. So I was on site for three months and they um, they were just really happy with the work I did. And I proposed to them, how about letting me work remotely? And after some back and forth, they, they were open to the idea. Um, I know that same company, there uh, were some other employees that were there that eventually asked that same thing and went on just a couple days a week basis. And then they eventually just became full-time remote. So some of it is is kind of a give and take with your employer, um, like hey, let me let me try a couple days a week and see how it turns out, and then it just slowly becomes more and more. I will say now that um, I'm on my third job, being a a true remote employee. Um, if I ever get like LinkedIn requests and things like that, uh, and they ask, well, you know, what are you looking for in a job? I always have two things I come back with. Uh, number one, salary, right? You know want to make a decent living kind of thing. Number two is it has to, without a doubt, be a remote job. Hmm. And I've had some of them actually come back to me and say, well, we we can't do the remote part, but... And I'm like, well... (laughs) That's actually, you know what? That was my condition. That is actually a great tip because, you know, even even if you're somebody who doesn't want to work from home, just say that, you know, or or look for those types of jobs because those are usually the the cooler companies anyway that are are more um, focused on output and what they can create versus ours. So I would say that that's just kind of a good sign at the company. So if, even if you want to work from home, you know, like so I would say like Microsoft is one of those ones where it's like you 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 know if you're even if you're able to work from home, um, that doesn't mean you have to. You know, go into the office. There there could be some benefits to you know switching back and forth, but that's just a good indicator of, um, a forward looking company. Okay. So we got to wrap this up. Uh, it looks like we have one dev tip, dev tip of the week. Uh, who was that that suggested? Was that, uh, I put that in. Well, yeah. Who suggested this to me? Well, oh, I did. Oh, it was Brandon. So, okay. Perfect. So the dev tip is keep your config clean with an external config file. Yep. And I'll just set this up with the conversation as I saw it. So this came from our Slack channel. Jason asked a question. He's like, Hey, I've got these secrets. What's, what's the latest and greatest way <laughs> Where the body not have them buried, yeah. in, in my web config file? You know, you know, it's, Oh, this is just like an it. eternal struggle for me is like, I want, I want to make it so that people can just grab my project, and, but I don't want to put, you know, my, my connect SQL connection string in there, for example. So I don't, I don't want to make it so it's possible for me to accidentally check it in. 
you know, because like this last time it was, this was stupid, but I just use like, like this password that's like really important. And I'm, and I'm, then I'm, I actually went and changed it. Cause I'm like, this is really, really stupid. Um, so, you know, I, I did use sort of a random password, so it would sort of limit the damage, but still like it's happened. People have accidentally checked in these things. So this, yeah, search GitHub. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Brandon was like, uh, yo, you can use these, uh, external config files. And it's funny, like, uh, the, the, one of the posts that I found when I searched for this came out, uh, eight years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> welcome to the future. Uh, but yeah, you can, in your, in your XML, this is for .NET projects, um, for like connection strings or things like that, you can say config source equals, and you can point at another file. So basically what I did was I took the, uh, that other file and, um, I renamed it or actually I kept it that name, but I added it to my Git ignore. So it was impossible to check in. Then I made a copy of that file, took out the connection string, renamed it to dot sample, and then check that in. So it makes it so that somebody can grab the source. They can copy that file and make their own local copy and get the project running. And then they don't have to worry about accidentally checking the connection string either. So thank you for that, Brandon. Yeah. So, and I have one more tip there too. Um, so this is obviously for .NET, but um, something a lot of people don't realize uh, is that the configuration system is actually a really big hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're doing uh, web yeah. development, um, you can actually add values to your machine config that IIS then pulls in. So um, first of all, name your connection strings good things. Let's just start with that. <laughs> don't call it default connection. I call mine my name connection it. string. Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> uh, name, name it something good. Because then what you can do is, uh, in your machine config, on a per-developer basis, you can add that connection string at your machine level, and then you don't even have to worry about like having your config stored anywhere else. Yep. Um, and then I'll also make the note that uh, the, the new .NET Core and ASP.NET Core and all those stuff, they totally revamped the, uh, the configuration system to basically address these kind of issues. So greatly overhauled, can use things like environment variables, whatnot, and it's all baked in. Okay. And then we also talked about using something like environment variables, and we don't need to dive into it now, but that actually sounds like another good option because I was thinking about just having a batch file that blows in a whole bunch of environment variables so that whenever I get a new machine, it already has all my connection strings and everything for the projects that I care about, uh, which would be kind of cool. Uh, okay, so one thing we have to do, otherwise we're going to get yelled at by somebody, is uh, the game here. So pick a number between one and four, Brandon. Uh, one. Would you rather have your ears where your eyebrows are or have your nose where your belly button is? Oh, uh, man. <laughs> um, I'm going to say ears where my eyebrows are, uh, mostly as the, <laughs> the, the lesser of evils. Uh, I would not want my nose where my belly button is. I think that's a really bad height to have your nose at. <laughs> um, you know, if you're walking in a crowd or whatever, right? Yeah. Not a good spot. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Especially in the crowded areas. Um, okay, uh, let's see here, Brandon. Where can people find you? All right, uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Martinez. Okay. Uh, and you can also find me at BrandonMartinez.com. Okay, Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And I would just like to remind people about our swag bag contest. Yep. We are getting a few more participants with entries. And, uh, good ones too. Uh, yeah, really good. I think you guys are creative, but remember, we're not looking for the best. We're, we're just looking for you guys to reach out and, you know, say whatever you have to say. So we have still yet to define exactly how we're going to pick it. So well, we're probably going to pick creative. the best one though, as the winner. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't think it'll be the best by what people normally define as best. Okay. 
We're odd people, Jason. <laughs> oh, this should be interesting. Uh, so I guess everybody's got a chance. So just send us anything you want. <laughs> Actually, uh, for feedback as well, what I'd like to hear for uh, for feedback after you listen to this episode, um, let's do a directed feedback again. So tell us if you work remote, uh, what you like about it. Just tell us something about remote work. So is it working out for you? Uh, did you try it and fail? Um, you know, like do you have any tips for people? And uh, that's the comment we'll pick probably on the next episode or the episode after um, somebody who, uh, who talks about that particular topic. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that. And you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So Brandon, thanks for coming on again and talking to us about remote work. Hashtag Brandon. <laughs> Hashtag Brandon. Is that what it was? that it? Hashtag Brandon episode. Okay. Everybody retweet that. Okay. Thanks guys. Thanks guys.